This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. And it says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So particularly I'm focusing on verse 1 where it says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So the title of my message today is Seasons and Waiting. So if you didn't know, not only are there seasons in the natural, but there's also seasons in the spiritual. See, God actually works the same in the natural as he does in the spiritual. And if you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus actually talked about natural processes when he talked about God. You know, we read the parables about the sower and the seed and all these things. He was talking about the natural, but he connected it to God. Because not only did God create nature, but that's how he works. If you want to know more about how God works, take a look at nature. It doesn't work according to someone's schedule. It works according to seasons. Can you imagine if we decided to work according to the seasons of life instead of according to what we wanted to do, what our schedule was? You know, we we go, God, I've got a plan Get in line and line up because this is where I'm going. You know, and we can think that's crazy, but sometimes we are like that. We're all on a journey in life and in our walk with God, and it's made up of seasons. Some seasons we like, others not so much. One of the seasons that I've walked through myself is grief, and I can tell you it's not my favourite. <laughs> you know, our, our seasons in life, are, they're actually not always mountaintops or new growth, because that's the season we like. And it's actually a misconception to think that when things are going well, we must be in a sweet spot with God. That's not always true. In fact, I've often often found that the biggest growth in life and my relationship with God have come out of some of my hardest seasons. So I grew up on a farm, and I've always been fascinated by growing things. I actually love getting out into the garden and digging around, seeing what I can grow, Um, I'm not fantastic at it, but (laughs) I do try. And it always involves a little bit of trial and error. And understanding the seasons, I've found, is one of the major things. So I'm going to give you a bit of a rundown of the seasons in nature. And if you're a gardener, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, stay with me. It'll make sense in the end, hopefully. All right? So in gardening, your end goal is the fruit. This is also true in Christian life. The Bible actually talks about bearing fruit that will last. And when we talk about fruit, we're talking about fruit 
that makes it to maturity to the point where they can actually plant their own seed and grow it into another tree. Keep in mind that we're talking about spiritual seasons. And it's not just one season. You need all the seasons to produce good fruit. We've just come through autumn, and autumn is all about consolidating the harvest. It's all about preparing for winter so that the plants can survive the cold and the lack, and they're all ready to grow in spring. Autumn is preparation for the winter, preparation for the down times, the hard times, putting things in place. You know, a good quiet time discipline, good people around you, serving, using your gifts. It all puts you in preparation to endure the down times, learning the ways of God and having a deep connection with him. Autumn is where you do all the pruning. So it's where you get rid of anything that might stunt your growth or any dead or diseased branches, any inward-facing branches, anything that will get in the way of the light. How's that? We also prune perfectly good branches so that they can put their energy into fruit. I've been through pruning with God and it's not fun, but necessary. The hard work that you put into working the ground, cleaning up and pruning is directly proportional to the size of the harvest later. If you don't put any effort in, it's not going to be a great harvest. Winter. Do we love winter? I'm not a winter person. I don't like the cold. <laughs> I'm not a summer person either. I don't like the heat. Um, very fussy. But winter is a quiet time in the garden, and it can feel like it goes on forever. But there are things that need to happen in winter to produce new growth and good fruit. Did you know that some fruit actually need a certain amount of chill time, of freezing cold weather, for them to produce good fruit? Winter is hard, but it creates the hardiness that a plant needs to grow. It's where the top of the plant goes dormant and you think that nothing much is happening. But actually, underneath the ground, the roots are going down deep, ready to support the fruit when it comes. These are seasons that are hard, but they're necessary. You know why? Because they bring us back to Jesus. Haven't you noticed that when you go through a hard time in your life, you get to the point where you go, what do I do now? I've got nothing. So I either walk away from God or I need to run back to God. That's what these seasons do. They bring us back to relying on Jesus. Then comes springtime. We all like springtime. There's new growth. There's flowers everywhere. Everything's growing fresh, green leaves and branches. It's a great season, and it's an important season. But actually all that new growth is susceptible to bugs and disease, frost and heat waves, because it's only just tiny. Those new plants need to be fed and watered or they'll die out. In spring, the flowers are fertilised so they can grow fruit. Did you know you can't grow fruit without other flowers? Flowers need other flowers around so that they can set fruit. If you don't have other flowers around, what happens is those flowers, they look really pretty for a time. And then they fade and there's no fruit. And it dies without fulfilling its true purpose. Isn't that crazy? You know, this is why you need great people around you putting things into you that are going to produce good fruit and actually in your lives, not just looking from a distance because that doesn't work. It has to be close enough that it can actually work. This influence, it can produce good fruit or it can produce bad fruit. So I must say something I have learnt is to be incredibly careful about who you let speak into your life. Bad fruit comes from allowing things that shouldn't be there. 
And if you hadn't put the hard work in the autumn, it actually makes them more susceptible to disease. Then comes summer, the harvest. You see the result of all your hard work. The fruit comes to maturity, and if you prepared the soil and you pruned in autumn and you gave it time to get strong in winter, fed and watered it in the spring, kept away all the bugs, you'll have a bumper harvest. It's at this point where you're all wondering whether you've just tuned into a garden in Australia. But I am getting to a point. <laughs> Our life with God, it's a constant rotation of seasons. And we need all of them to grow and produce fruit. It doesn't work if we just sit there and expect God to work the season for us. I'm learning how to steward these seasons well. And I will probably still be learning when I'm old and grey. But I thought that I would share some of the things that I've discovered about stewarding your season well. So if you're taking notes, write this one down. Don't rush to the next one. Growth is in the waiting. At times, I've found myself frustrated with where I'm at in life, wishing I could live on the mountaintop my whole life. Don't we all wish that? But if we rush the season, we won't learn what we're there to learn. So I'm learning to embrace the seasons. Well, I'm trying. Pastor Trevor quite often actually says to me, it's just a season, enjoy the journey. Maybe one day it will actually sink in properly, <laughs> but I'm trying. We all want to jump ahead to the next season. Maybe we don't like the one that we're in and you want to jump ahead. But God's got stuff for you to learn in this season. Nobody really wants to do the work in the autumn or the winter. It's not a fun time. We all want to see new growth and fruit, but these only happen when we're stewarded those other seasons well. And it's in this in-between, in the waiting, that we learn, and it's we grow in our reliance on God. Yeah. In Psalm 130, verses 5 to 6, so Psalm 130, verses 5 to 6, it says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. I've obviously put that in twice. Do you like waiting? I'm really keen on waiting. I have three young girls, and I can tell you that for a five-year-old, waiting is really, really difficult. If we go to Numbers 9, we'll see the Israelites waiting. This is num Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 to 23. So Numbers 9, 15 to 23. On the day of the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law was set up. The cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That's how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites camped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. And at his command, they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle for a few days. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. And when it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. 
the Lord's command they encamped and at the Lord's command they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. So we find the Israelites waiting, waiting for a cloud to move. They've left Egypt, everything they knew, and now they're just following God's direction. When the cloud moves, they move. When the cloud stops, they stop. They didn't know what was coming up next. Can you imagine setting up camp at nighttime going, great, are we off in the morning or am I here for the next couple of years? <laughs> they were just relying on the cloud, God's presence, on where to and when to move. Do you know they waited at Mount Sinai for a couple of years? Can you imagine pulling up and you're going, yep, we'll be off tomorrow? And then, no, they're here for a couple of years. A lot happened at Mount Sinai. They tried to make new gods. They got the Ten Commandments. They learned how to live as a society, how to worship, got all these laws. While they were waiting there, God was preparing them. I was thinking about this, that how when they arrived at Mount Sinai, they were a nomadic group of ex-slaves. Basically, that's who they were, wandering around. We've left Egypt. We don't know where we're going. We're a bunch of slaves. What are we doing? When they left Mount Sinai, they had a promised future. They had structure. They had a code to live by. They were a nation off for a promised future. That all happened in the waiting, in the waiting in the wilderness. So how do you steward your season well? Number one, recognize your season. If you don't know what season you're in, ask God. You know, we ran through some of them before, but have a good chat with God. I'm sure he'll tell you. Number two, do you need to do something? Are you waiting on God or is God actually waiting on you? Is there something that you might need to prune out or is there something that you might need to put in? Number three, just keep plowing. Serve, be faithful, be consistent. Be faithful with what is in front of you, what God has put in front of you. That's where the preparation happens. It happens in obedience. And I'm not talking so much about ministry within the church. I'm talking about day-to-day. -day. I'm talking about in your family, in your friends, in your job, your gifts. Be consistent. We read in Matthew 6, and we actually, it's three times in Matthew 6. So it's in Matthew 6, verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. And they all say the same thing. It all says, your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. It says it three times, so it's probably important. See, the serving where you're not seen, the serving in the mundane, the discipline of day to day, it shows what your heart's really made of. What you do who you are, what you watch when no one else is around, that's actually what God's interested in. Number four, guard your heart. We go through tough seasons, it's very easy to get discouraged, disillusioned, doubts start to creep in. And when we're waiting, it really feels like nothing's happening. Do you know what the best way to guard your heart is? Take note of what's going in. It says in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We all go on diets or things like that and you clean up what you're putting in, eat healthy, all of this stuff. But maybe we actually think about doing that for our heart. Get some boundaries. Clean up your intake. What are you listening to? 
Who are you listening to? What are you watching? Because what you put in, it's going to flow out of your heart. Make it a lifestyle, not just a fad diet. Remind himself, remind yourself of his promises, of his words to you. Number five, go deep. Send your roots down. Go deeper in God. Spend time strengthening your relationship with God. In his word, talk to him. Pour your heart out. He's always ready to listen. Meditate on his word, like it says in Joshua 1.8. Number six, be open to the unexpected. Anybody ever tells me that the Bible is boring, I would like to point them to this story. So this is one of those crazy stories in the Bible, of which there are actually a few. And this is in Numbers 21. This is Numbers 21, and it's verse 4 to verse 9. How's this for a crazy story? Bronze serpent is what it's called. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. They got sick of waiting and they started to complain. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. How's that for a crazy story? <sighs> if we actually go 700 years later, so this is in 2 Kings. This is 2 Kings 18. So 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4. This is about King Hezekiah. So it says, he, remo he removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. Can you believe that? 700 years later, it was still around, that bronze serpent. The Israelites were impatient. They were tired of waiting. So God sent snakes. He healed them with a bronze snake. And what happened? They turned it into an idol. The bronze serpent was God's idea, but it was for a season. It was for that moment, and they turned it into an idol. They made the object of deliverance that God used into the actual deliverer. You know, God uses many different programs and processes, but just make sure that we're not making the program or the process the important thing. God can use anything. And especially in this season, it seems to me that he's doing a new thing and he's using a new way. Don't get stuck holding on to this is the way God always speaks or this is what has worked before. This is how God has moved in my life before. Keep your eyes open for the new thing. It doesn't change. But the way that he moves and the things that he uses, that can change. Programs and processes are just some of the things that God uses. Don't turn them into an idol like the Israelites. Number seven is trust. There's this um, guy that I've been reading his book, Craig Cooney, and he was actually talking about the clouds 
that the Israelites were following. And he says, the thing about following the cloud was this. You could only see as far as the cloud in front of you. You had no idea where you were going. Have you ever been in fog and you think, where am I going? You could very easily get lost. I love that Waymaker song where it says, um, when I don't see it, you're working, something like that. Yeah, when we can't actually see what God's doing, but he is working. But we have to trust him. That's a lot of trust when you don't know where you're going and you're just following someone and hoping that they'll keep you safe. But I can tell you that he will. There's actually verses all through the Bible about God leading us. A couple here, so probably don't look them up because it'll take you forever, but I'll read them out. This is Psalm 143.8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For you I entrust my life. And then in verse 10 it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Proverbs 20, 24 says, A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Psalm 119, 105, verse 105, says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Proverbs 19, 21 Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Psalm 16:11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, the internal pleasures at your right hand. And Psalm 27:14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Just follow the cloud. Just follow God. Sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not quite just that easy. But trust Wait with anticipation. Be ready to move when God says. You know, I've, I've heard it said, and I actually don't know if this is true or not, but I have heard it said that the word wait that's used in the Bible in the Hebrew and Greek is actually means to wait with eager anticipation. Not just waiting and we're sitting here. It's we're anticipating that God is going to move, that he's going to go somewhere and we're going with him. You know, where will you take me next, God? This is so exciting. We find that Noah was in a similar spot. You know, God tells him it's going to rain. We've never seen rain before. We end up, big flood, floods the whole earth. We're an ark. And we read all of that. But what happens once it's flooded and you're in the ark and you're then sitting there? And you're like, okay, God, what next? You've done what you said you were going to do and now I'm sitting and the whole earth is covered with water, and I'm not sure what's going to happen next. He was just following what God said and waiting for God to take care of the rest. From his viewpoint, the earth was destroyed. Like, you couldn't see any of the earth left. It was all flooded. It was actually covered for water for about a year or so. But he was waiting for God to come through. That's a long time to wait when you can just see water out your front door. Matthew talks about this in Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verses 37 to 51. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, 
for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him above all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. doesn't sound great, does it? If we look at verse 48, and this is in the NIV, this one, it says, But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. Don't throw it all away because you think God is delayed. Just because you can't see what's happening doesn't mean he is. He could be doing a lot behind the scenes. And verse 46 says, It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So just keep doing it. Wait on God's timing. You know, God is in control and he's with you. He hasn't forgotten you. And his promises will come through in his timing, the right timing, not necessarily when we want. But it happens when we steward our seasons well. So, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share about you, Lord. Lord, I pray this week that we send some time with you to work out what season am I in, Lord, and and to take some time apart to just hear you, what you have to say, Lord, because I know that you've got a lot to say and sometimes we're too busy to hear it. Lord, I thank you for your perfect timing. I pray that you work in people's lives and people's hearts, Lord. And I thank you that you are always perfect in your timing and that you created the seasons for us, Lord, so that you can teach us things that we can't learn elsewhere. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com. 